0: All right, good afternoon. Uh, this is Eddie. I am here. I'm super excited. I'm here with, uh, with Pete Williams and Jason Peters. They are sponsor and sponsee. And of course, y'all know me. I am Eddie Colson. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. These guys are drug addicts, alcoholics. And we just kind of want to share our story um, of how we met. We're going to start with how we met and we we'll are just kind of go from there. You know, keep in mind that this is uncut this is raw this is unscripted um we did not practice this at all we are literally just going straight off of our, our head this is all truth everything that you hear is just simply just uh, the overflow of the heart the mouth speaketh. so uh jason and i you want me to tell you you want to go uh so jason and i it's kind of um i don't find any coincidence in it jason and i met Smack dab in the middle of addiction. We haven't really partied together. We never knew each other prior to this. He's from West Texas in Odessa. I'm from West Texas Monahan's, which is about 35 miles uh, from each other. But anyway, we met kind of met on a dead end street here in Kingston, Texas on Odessa Street. Coincidentally enough, he's running from the cops on a motorcycle. I step outside. I'm drinking, of course. I'm high and drunk, and I'm coming outside to look for cigarette butts or something. But I come outside, and I hear his motorcycle. I mean, just revved up at full speed. And I hear the cops. Well, the cops, obviously, are are way behind him. And I look up, and I see Jason coming, and I step out, jump off my porch. Because I could tell he didn't know that he was on a dead-end street. So I jump out, and I start screaming, Hey, hey, it's a dead-end. Stop, stop. Well, he slams on the brakes. He slams, and... You know, here goes the dust and the, you know, he obviously wrecks his bike and tumbles and rolls onto the ground. Moments later, here come the Kings Police Department. They, before their vehicles even stopped, they're rolling out of the car, <clears throat> guns drawn, screaming, get on the ground, you know, and, uh, there, Jason and I, we didn't introduce ourselves. Uh, it wasn't until nine months later that that story came full, full circle and we actually met, um. And uh, we did lock eyes that day. Yeah, yeah. We actually looked at each other like, yeah. I looked at you like, dude. I remember
1: right before I got in that sheriff car, I turned around, and I seen somebody standing on that porch, and I just remember thinking, I bet that son of a bitch is tripping out right now.
0: <laughs> and I was. And this is how stupid I was in my addiction. I ran inside and got my wife and kids to come watch why the cops would have their guns drawn, jumping out, chasing this guy. You know, guns, you know bullets could have been flying. It was just... And then after a few minutes, I realized, oh, wait, this isn't a good idea. And I told my wife to take the kids inside. I wasn't about to go inside. I I wanted to get all the live action I could get. (laughs) And then uh, nine months later, I had already gone to rehab. I went to rehab on May 28th. Jason obviously went to jail that day. Nine months later, um, we end back up in Kingsland, Texas. I went to rehab in San Angelo, Texas. We end back up in Kingsland, Texas in recovery in his Joshua house, right here in this conference room, sitting at this table. Um, and he was telling his story and I was like, dude, were you out of dead in on Odessa Street? And he said, yeah, man. And I was like, dude, that was me, the one who, you know, I felt like a superhero for the moment because I felt like I pretty much kind of saved his life. Yeah, you, you know, did. you
1: definitely did. Yep.
0: But anyway, so uh,
1: Jason's gonna kind of introduce himself and uh, we're just kind of gonna go from there. Go ahead, Jason. What's going on, everybody? My name's Jason Peters. Um, I've just recently turned 37. Um, I'm currently here in Kingsland, Texas, at the Joshua House. Like Eddie was saying, um, yeah, um, man, most of my life I just been out there running the streets, um, doing methamphetamines was my drug of choice, and really just had no hope, no outlook on life. You know, um, eventually, you know, I, I turned away from my family, my own kids, and only thing I was a slave to was drugs. Unfortunately, you know, that path is a highway to hell. And once you get stuck in there, you know, there's, you. for me, the only way for me to get out of that is to get locked up. And I've been to prison twice because of it. And, you know, this last time sitting in jail for nine months, I was facing 25 years at first. And then they dropped it down to 15. And then, man, I just got tired of being sick and tired, you know. And then I, I finally turned it over to God, you know, because I know I can't do it by myself, you know. There's no possible way and man, it worked out. I got accepted here to the Joshua house like Eddie was saying and man, I was just sitting here telling my story, like he said, and that's what he said. Were you on a motorcycle? And I said, yeah, and we got to talking and I man, I literally had to thank Eddie because if he wouldn't have slowed me down that night, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. I probably hit them trees doing 160 miles an hour on my motorcycle. And you know, it's just, it's weird how, how God brings everybody back together for a certain reason you know and you never know who that's going to be you never know who whose path you're going to cross you could be that lifesaver just like this podcast no matter what we say long as we have one person that that's all that counts you know um
0: and that's it you know i i would i i just find it you know at first i think it's kind of a crazy story but then i kind of i kind of see how god played it out how uh we were just on that dead-end street, dude. Yeah. You know, when they hauled you off and loaded up your motorcycle and left, I went out there to look for the dope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah. find any. <laughs> unfortunately, I did. Yeah. well, unfortunately now, but unfortunately back then, I didn't find the co- any.
1: The cops found it,
0: yeah. Yeah, that, they did find <laughs> they it, <laughs> They right? found it, yeah. Yeah, that was. that's just an interesting story.
1: And then, and then to, to well, deepen what's cool, the What's pl- even crazier about it, I'm born and raised in Odessa. I've been to prison twice out of Odessa, and that night... I was coming out here to drop dope off, and I didn't know where I was. The cops turned around, so I just hauled ass on them. And lo and behold, I, I didn't find out for eight months later that I turned down Odessa Street yeah. here in Kingsland.
0: On a dead end. And I was the only house down there. Yeah. I was the only person living there. It was literally my street. And uh, that, that was just a, a saving grace right there. And you know, then, then to, to deepen the plot even just a little bit more, later on, we run into each other somewhere else. And you're already in recovery. I'm already in recovery and out of the Joshua house. And you're actually with a friend that uh, was one of my friend's friends who we actually lost to the game. He was actually he was actually murdered not too long ago. But uh, it, it's just that, how it yeah. just all planned out. Yeah. That You know, like our past
1: crossed. My friend knew you and your friend. Yeah. And it's just, man, it's crazy how we all get linked up. You know? yeah. And we're all sober sitting at this table right now. Yeah. Been sober.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a for sure deal. And uh, you know I, I'm I'm glad that we didn't meet. I'm glad we met the way we did. Yeah. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Anyway, now I'm gonna pass the torch on to uh, Pete over here. I kind of talked about Pete yesterday in the podcast. Pete is an amazing guy. He is actually uh, Jason's sponsor. Is this your first sponsor? Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. yeah this I'm, my
1: first sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. And that's awesome. Oh, I got a sponsor, sponsor story too. Whenever you're done, done. mine's kind of mine and Jody's is kind of like y'all's. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Pete here, he's, uh, he's like the rest of us, man. He's a, he's an amazing guy. He's a raging alcoholic. He <laughs> likes alcohol just a little bit too
2: much, but yeah. he, he's
0: passionate about recovery. And that's one of the things I love
2: about him. And, uh, here's Pete. Yeah, hey, my name's Pete. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, like, like Eddie said, I was a raging alcoholic. And, uh, so I, um, I'm originally from 2000 miles from here. I, I was, uh, born and raised in Connecticut and, uh, grew up there and found my way to Texas in about I don't know nine years ago in 2012 Um, I lived there I lived in Connecticut till I was 29 and I just wanted a change you know and uh, my brother's down here in Texas so I uh, got linked up with him and came down here to visit him and I loved it so I just decided to uh, make the move and head on down here I had nothing holding me back I've never been married don't have any kids So I just kind of made the move and and drove down here. And I've been here ever since and, uh, ended up here in Kingsland, Texas. Um, you know, and, uh, I just, um, changed my life a little bit, you know, but my life didn't change that much because I was still drinking a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've been an alcoholic since I've, since I was a kid, basically. I was, I remember 15, 16 years old stealing, stealing little bits of whiskey from my dad's cabinet and, uh, and just you know started drinking alone at an early age and i just kind of got into that and i just i liked it man i just loved to be drunk i just loved that feeling it just it, it was an escape for me it got me out of my own reality um you know it, it was a it was a mask that i could wear and uh i just loved it man i i i knew i could be comfortable i didn't have to worry about nothing and it just made me feel good and i and i just rolled with it and i just was like man i love this stuff so i'm going to stick with it and unlike these guys, I've never, I've never, I was never into drugs. You know, I, I smoked pot a few times when I was younger and, and, you know, I never really liked it. And, uh, I come from a place where there was a lot of drugs <laughs> where I grew up and, uh, heroin was the drug of choice by a lot of those guys I knew growing up. And, uh, unfortunately it took a lot of them out. I, uh, I lost quite a few friends to heroin and, uh, and to other things, suicide and other kinds of overdoses, but, um. Uh, I used to kind of pride myself on the fact that I wasn't into drugs. You know, I'm just an alcoholic. You know, that's what I always <laughs> told myself. <laughs> you know, I just like to drink. I don't, I'm don't. i not into drugs. I'll be all I right. I went you know? that phase. I remember that phase. <laughs> you ever go through that phase? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not just, a
0: drug guy. I just snort cocaine every once in a while. <laughs> I, yeah.
2: I mean, I only smoke meth yeah. like once a month. Or it. It. And what And what they don't tell you and what you don't realize when you're younger is that alcohol is just as deadly and just as severe as any drug. Oh you know, dude It's dangerous, worse. man. Yeah. It's dangerous. And you know, of course you don't you don't realize that because it's all on T V and the commercials and the, you know They glorify it. It's it's glorified, man. It's everywhere. It's legal. You can go to the store and buy it. Mm-hmm. You know and
0: I've actually buried more people from alcohol related death than anything else. Yeah. And I'm not
2: sure drugs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. alcohol it's, a, it's alcohol dangerous, is a killer, drug. man. And and it was working its it's working its way through my system like that, man. I was slowly mm-hmm. killing myself. I was. So I moved to Texas and in 2012, and then in sometime in 2014 I, uh, I like Eddie had said in a previous podcast, he he you know he knew he knew, he knew he had a problem, and I knew I had a problem for years. i just I just never really wanted to acknowledge it, and a lot of my family knew I had problems you know with the alcohol, and you know I, I hit it well, but I you know sometimes I didn't and um you know i, I in 2014, I tried AA you know for the first time. well, I'd been to an AA meeting before that but that was just to kind of like you know make other people happy and so i, I went to aa on my aa on my own in 2014 and i uh stopped drinking and i really didn't embrace the program like i should have i didn't get a sponsor i didn't do any steps i didn't really do anything i would just show up to meetings and i did that for about 3 months and 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 then i realized to myself i was like hey i'm not as bad as some of these other guys so I guess I had to go out and learn the hard way. I had to go out and just continue that, and I did. <laughs> and for uh, another four more years after that, my drinking just got worse, man. I I had a roommate before that, and after after a couple years, I, I moved out, and I was by myself again, and, um, you know, I, I just drank, man. That's all I did. And then, and then about 2018, August of 2018, I, I decided I needed a change, man. Like, I don't know what it was that made me decide that I had to, but something, something drove me to really want to give it up, you know, I, I was getting to the point where I was drinking all day, every day, I had to have booze in me, otherwise I could not function, I couldn't drive a car, I couldn't go to work, I couldn't do anything, I had to, I had to, to at least do a couple shots of vodka in the morning to Know ease my shakes, Mm -hmm. and it it was just getting progressively worse because this is this disease is progressive. It's a progressive illness. Mm -hmm. I was actually just reading that in uh, chapter three. Yeah, it it's no joke, man. When they talk about that progression, it is no joke. Like it will creep up on you before you even realize what hit you.
0: It never gets better, only worse. Yeah,
2: and I'll never forget those feelings. I'd be just sitting in my house. I'll never forget those mornings, man. It would be like a Monday morning, and I just drank from Friday afternoon all the way through Monday nonstop, just drinking, passing out, drinking, passing out. I'd ignore phone calls. I wouldn't talk to family. I would just wouldn't do anything. And I just remember sitting in my living room one morning and I just started bawling, crying. Cause I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? How did I get here? Cause I was looking at a vodka coffee table. It's like 6:30 in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. I got to go to work. And my resort was, I have to drink that vodka to get to work. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I can't get up and do it. Cause I called out, <laughs> there was times where I was calling out of work every Monday. It was a regular thing for me. Yeah. You know, and I would just blame it on something else, and I had everybody snowed. You know, I, I would, but I would just remember sitting there on, I'll never forget, it. I was sitting there on the couch, staring at that vodka bottle, thinking to myself, this is what I've come to. I have to drink that to get up to go to work. And I, I started crying, man. I was like, there's something fucking wrong with me. Yeah. And I, and I kept that going for months after that. Even after that moment, I kept drinking. And, uh, finally one day, man, I just, I, d- I called the doctors and made an appointment. I said, "What's your appointment about?" I'm like, "It's personal." <laughs> so I uh, I went to the doctor and 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 this wasn't a normal doctor I've seen before. My regular doctor was out or something, and I had I'd seen this chick, this young young woman, and she says, "Well, what are you here for today?" And I just I just said, "I, I uh to to be frankly frank with you, I just I can't stop drinking." I was like, "I got a serious drinking problem, and I don't know what to do." And in my mind, I was thinking she can give me some Xanax or some, some benzos, <laughs> some pills that I can take, and wean myself off the booze, you know, yeah. I said, I just need yeah. to get, I just, yeah. I, I know if I, cause at that point I tried I, that route. Yeah. yeah. At that point, I was afraid, I was afraid to stop on my own. Cause I thought I was going to start having seizures. You know, I was going to, it was going to get bad. Yeah, you know I mean, I could not stop drinking. I was afraid to, because if I did stop drinking, I had some of the worst withdrawals I'd ever experienced in my life. So she's telling me, she's like, okay, so how much, t- how much drinking are we talking about here? And I was like. Well, to be honest with you, I said about a handle of vodka every other day during the week, and then about two handles of vodka on the weekend. And that's... By yourself. That's, yeah, and that's by myself, and that's that's just being like, you know, that's minimizing it for you right there. Like, I, that's, you know, a, a handle of vodka every other day during the week, that would last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that would be a handle each day, or every other two, every two days. And then on the weekend, I'd have to have two handles. And I'd finish those two handles in that weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would finish those two. Oh, so that's yeah. That's serious drinking. That was some serious drinking. That was yeah. a lot me of me and Taylor used to little, do that, too. That was a lot of vodka, man. And uh, and, and the reason why I switched to vodka is because I was always a whiskey guy. I love bourbon. I used to love, you know, Crown Royal Canadian I liked stuff. fireball. I liked fireball. And my whole thing was I changed to vodka like a year and a half prior because... In my mind, people couldn't smell it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I oh, like yeah. I would, I would <laughs> that drink that a- vodka, and but that's still, that would still come out your pores the next day, man. You oh, would yeah. you'd reek, you know, just as bad as whiskey. Mm. So that was my thing. And she, told me to, she told me, she says, if you're drinking as much as you say you're drinking, you, and she's like, how long has this been going on? I said, years, years. And I said, it's been this bad for at least a year and a half, two years the, at this rate. She says, if you're drinking that much at that rate, she says you cannot stop drinking on your own. She says I can't just give you a pill to stop drinking. You are gonna have to go to detox, yeah. and you are gonna have to go to some sort of rehabilitation. And I freaked out. I was like, oh shit! You know, <laughs> I'm gonna lose my job. Yeah. I was Like everybody's gonna know. You gotta own You gotta time, own up. Now. At this point, I'm hiding it really well. You know, right. like everybody or knows. You think you are? Yeah, I think I am. Most <laughs> most of my friends knew I was a heavy drinker, just not how heavy. Yeah. And my family back home knew. You know, because they see it. You know, I lived with my parents. I lived with my sister. They they saw that shit. You know what I mean? They knew. I don't Absolutely. think they realized how bad it was, but they knew. Um, so I'm freaking out. And I'm starting to cry to her. You know, I I, I cry a lot. That's yeah. another thing. I'm a big crybaby. I like to cry. That's, That's all right. Thing. It's good
0: for you. It's my yeah. thing. You know I, I mean? cry about everything,
2: you know? So I, uh, I'm i crying to her like, I can't let my work find out. And she's telling me that they can't know if I just go to a medical facility. Da-da-da-da-da. So I, I'm just freaking out. And then she's telling me, you know, like, Another thing is, she says, have you been drinking this morning? I said, well, yeah, I had to get here to this doctor's appointment. I had to drink. (laughs) So I'm doing shots of vodka before I left the house. I mean, how else would I get here? And she says, well, I really don't think you should be driving home from here. Is there somebody you can call? So I called. uh, He's one of my best friends, man. He's my buddy from work. I I met him at at work here in town, and uh, I called him. And uh, I said, man, you got to come to the doctor's office. And he could tell there was something wrong. So he shows up, and I meet him out in the parking lot, and I just start crying again. (laughs) <laughs> he's like what's wrong man i'm like, telling him i'm like i'm an alcoholic dude i'm a full-blown alcoholic and i have to go to rehab i have to go to detox yeah i said i said that's why i'm here today i was like and i'm freaking out that i'm gonna get fired i was like i'm gonna lose my job and he's calming me down man he's like no don't worry about it man we'll take care of it we'll get you through this you know and uh, he was the first person i talked to besides the doctor I mean, he was the first person i was honest with besides the doctor right and, and that I, was your first yeah, treatment yeah and that was my first treatment and the thing about getting honest that morning, I realized, and a lot of my shit is hindsight. Like, I don't realize it until I think about it later. Right. I got honest with her that morning, and then I got honest with him outside in that parking lot, and it opened some floodgates. Yeah. Because I just started getting honest with everybody. I was telling everybody. it felt good, didn't it? It felt good, man. I'm like, all right, I'm an alcoholic. You know, and I'm telling everybody. And, and, and another thing is she told me, she's like, I'm not giving you the green light to get wasted all the time, but... You do have to maintain, you have to drink until you go to detox. She says, I don't want you to stop because you're not going to be there for at least a day or two. She says, I want you to just, you know, maintain it. So I I did, you know, and I don't, I don't, I never maintained a drunk drunk because it didn't really get me drunk anymore. It just kind of maintained me. Right. So I drank vodka that the rest of that week um, until I went. And I told everybody, man, I was telling everybody, calling everybody. I was excited about going to detox because that's how bad I wanted to stop. I was so freaking just mortified with myself and just tired of being that way i just got just got to that point where i was like you said in the, another podcast like you just you were so sick and tired of being sick and so tired sick of it, and tired, man. man like you know you get to that point where you're just desperate you're yeah, desperate man. for change it, it, it's
0: like somebody kind of holding you underwater yeah and and man. you can't breathe to so the point that you're about to pass out you don't think about anything except for that breath at yep. that point yeah and i come to the point in my addiction that I just I needed recovery to survive. Yeah. I knew that jails, institution of death. I'd already gone through jails and institutions. My next step was death. Yep. I knew that because I'm drinking like you. Yeah. And I'm smoking methamphetamine on top of it, and I'm isolating myself, and I'm running amok. I'm acting crazy. I'm taking pills and shrooms and uppers and downers, and <laughs> you know, doing things that men just shouldn't do to themselves. Yeah. And uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I just. And was that not the best thing that you ever did? That was the gra- It was the greatest decision I ever made, and it was. It was. It was definitely the highest point of my life, <clears throat> because up until that point, I didn't know anything about alcoholism. Like I, I remember my childhood was good. I was, I had fun in you know the high school age, whatever. But so it wasn't your life that was the problem. It was the alcohol, man. It was It was, you. was, it was me. It was me. <laughs> it was me and the alcohol, dude. It was. It was yeah. I just turned to alcohol at a young age and I stuck with it and it and it. And it stayed with me as a part of my life, my, my entire adulthood. My do, entire, you,
0: do you entire feel like life. that you stuck with it? Because uh, I, I noticed you said something that it was an escape, it was a mask, and it was a comfort zone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It just become a way of life. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. feel like that oh, the yeah. way the lifestyle mm-hmm. was for you, too? That's yeah. what it was for me. Like, I knew nothing else. Yep. I, I had learned that drugs and alcohol uh, at one point in time was my solution for things. It's just, it's a soothing thing.
2: Yeah. It, it's like you're... It's what I know. It's so your, when it's, it's your womb, man. It's your yeah. safety man. It's your that's safety exactly spot. That's exactly right. Well, and
1: it, it numbs a lot of things for me. Yeah. You know?
2: It, yeah, gets, reality. You yeah. it gets you out of reality. Yeah. It puts you in a, in a point where you can just shut the rest of the world out because that is what keeps you going you know, in your mind. And I think that's why it's so
0: important that we read the big book because in the big book, the doctor said suggests that before you can actually get true help you got go to go through detox first because your mind has to be right, yeah. you know. Um, what, what do you think is different this time? We've all, we've all, is this your first recovery and you've been this, sober? How this, long have you
2: been sober? I've been sober for uh, two years, seven months and a little bit, of eh, about two years and seven months. Yeah. Wow. Two and a half, years, a little over two and a half years. August 24th is my sober date. So August, <clears throat> that end of August is when I went to that doctor, told her I needed help. Two days later, my brother is driving me up to uh, Scurry, Texas, which is about, I think it's like an hour east of Dallas. And it's this place called The Treehouse. It's a rehab up there, and that place saved my life, man. And I, we drove up there on the 23rd. That's when I, you know, got admitted. And I checked in, and they do, they give you a breathalyzer to see how drunk you are when you get there, you know what I mean? It, I don't remember what it was, but it was high, you know. And they keep giving you that breathalyzer until you're sobered up. And I did not blow zero until the following morning when I woke <laughs> up. And they were like, all right, one more time. And I had got admitted that afternoon the day before. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't blow zero till the next day. So that was the 24th I woke up in this detox, man. They they had me on meds to keep me from having seizures and, and, and all that shit. And control anxiety and the shakes and all that. So I was in a little bit of a fog, but that was the start of my new life, man. It really was. It was, a, it was, and I knew it. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I was having like so many mixed feelings. Like I was so glad to to be there because I was like, I felt like you were on your way to something. Yeah, greater. like and it felt like there was weight off of me. Yeah, like I could finally breathe again. Like you were saying, you like like you feel like you're drowning. Yeah, I finally felt like when I was when I woke up and I was in that detox, I finally felt like I I could breathe again. Like I was yeah. finally my head was above water finally, and Sense I also yeah, and I was also feeling. How did I get here? (laughs) You know what I mean. Like, how did I end up here? Where did I go wrong? You know what I mean. So I was going. and It's a little nerve wracking because now
0: you're stepping outside your element, your comfort zone that we've talked about several times. You know what I mean. And once you step outside that element and comfort zone, you got to make it through that
2: that struggle at first. Yeah. And and when you do, look at you. You're yeah. You know, two years clean. And that yeah. And that was my first time ever going to detox or recovery. You know, I tried AA in the past. My friends took me to an AA meeting when I was like 22 in 2005 because I. At 22, my roommates knew I was drinking too much, and those were guys where I was roomating with were college guys. They were telling me I was I had a problem, yeah. so I was going. To, I, I had gone to AA meetings back then to make them happy, you know. And and then I tried AA here in Kingsland in 2014 in Horseshoe Bay, and I was I was hitting meetings everywhere, but that didn't really stick because sometimes I think you need to go out and learn learn it the hard way. You know, well, I, I, mean? I had to learn that I was an addict and alcoholic
0: and the hard and way. way. And the hard way, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And that that brings another point to what the big book says: half the measures. Very, you
2: nothing. <clears throat> exactly.
0: And you went to that. Yeah, you, I did a lot I went of went to half meetings measures. half measuring.
2: Yeah. A lot. I did a lot I of half The
0: time measures. I went to
1: meetings I was on parole because I had to. <laughs> yeah. You know? And then once I knew I could just sign my own sheet, fuck, like I never went back. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: And you found yourself back in a relapse.
1: Yeah. In no yeah. time.
0: Yeah. You know? And I did
1: three years in prison. Supposed to report on a Monday. I was dirty by Monday. Oh, yeah. You know? I thought I had it all good while I was in prison. But as soon as I stepped back in that same environment, around the same people, I was doing the same shit. You
0: have to recreate a new life you know? for yourself. Big Book talks about that as well. Exactly. And so does the Bible. Exactly. I mean, there there's power now. you got to recreate a new life for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you were just saying, the moment you step back into your, the same people, places, and things,
2: you're stepping right back into the addiction, man. Yeah. If you continue going to bars when you got out of treatment. Well, I was never a bar guy. That was the thing. Like, yeah. I was when I was in my early 20s, but my thing was... You're an isolated drunk. I was an isolated drunk, man. I'm. A, I still am a hermit. You know, yeah. it gets, it's hard to get me out of my house sometimes, <laughs> or even out of town. You know. Yeah. What I mean? but But um, it was it was intensified by the drinking. You know, I, I'm. In fact, I, it's shocking to me that I've never gotten a DUI. I've never been arrested. I've never even been handcuffed because I used to drink and drive all the time, man. And I would go, you know, almost out of vodka, and I'd drive to the liquor store last minute and get some more. Head back to the house, and I did that all the time, man. And but yeah i was isolating isolating big time especially the last like 10 years
0: well you're 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 a rare breed and you're a miracle in itself for the simple fact that one you made it on your first recovery you made it on your first treatment you know statistically proven yeah most people don't make it on the first (laughs) time especially for this long you know what i mean that's how that's how bad rock bottom was for you yep you
2: know and you you don't you're not married you don't have kids or anything right? No, nope. I had nothing I had nothing pushing me there except for myself. Right. A lot of people will have that like kids or wife or you know family that that pushes them into it. I was living on my own. My family most of my family's 2000 miles away, so they don't they don't see it. So they didn't know. Well, Mine was yeah, I just I got See, and for me, I see that. I see that for me telling me that you
0: realized that it was the individual that had the problem. Because I was a family man. I had a wife. I had kids. I had a job. And none of that was enough.
2: Yeah.
0: It did not keep me sober, yeah. bro. It didn't. I had to realize that I was the problem. Yep. And when I realized that I was the problem and I was tired of living that life, that was the only time I got any, started moving in the right direction. Um, how, how was it that y'all became sponsor sponsor, thing? I kind of want to touch base on that for a minute. Well,
2: so, <clears throat> I had been sober for... I don't know almost two years about two years and I know you know I went through the steps I have my own sponsor um, you know I do every, I was doing everything right just like we were told um, the only thing I was kinda dragging my feet on was having a sponsee um, you know and I, and I never denied anybody you know I've never had anybody come up to me and ask me to be a sponsor and I say no um but I also wasn't looking for one. I wasn't going out saying, Hey you wanna be a sponsor? you wanna be a sponsor? Uh-huh. you wanna be a sponsee like I'll Do you be a raise your hands at meetings when they ask? I, I did. I did. Yeah. Of course, you know, it just you know it, you know, sometimes people just they gotta get to know you, I guess. Yeah. You know? And and um uh, you know, I, I raised my hand and it took me a while to get to that point, too, though. Yeah, me you know, too. I, I, I went through the 12 steps, which I dragged my feet on that, too. I took my time, which they tell you not to, but I did. I'm a slow learner. I, I'm a procrastinator. I get it done. It just takes me a little while. I'm like a tortoise, you know? <laughs> so um, I uh, I was just uh, doing my regular thing. I, I, uh, I, I'm I one of the key holders at the Pack Saddle Church here in town for the newcomers group. And um, I, you know, I just... I would, I would be at that meeting every weekend. You know, I would be—I would probably be at all three of them, you know, for the most part. You know, sometimes I'm not, but I'm always there at least one or two days that weekend. And um, Jason was pretty new here at the Joshua House, and um, he was coming into those meetings. And, uh, you know, one day after, at the end of one of the meetings, he just walks up to me and goes, Hey, man, um, I'm looking for a sponsor. And at first, I kind of looked at him like, oh, yeah, like, I'm thinking to myself, he's asking me who I can recommend them to. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, you, you should meet Jody or Connie. You know, like, you know, these guys are, you know, that's where my mind went immediately because I'm thinking to myself, you know, he's looking for help, you know, which he was. But then it took me a second to realize he was asking me to be a sponsor. I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, definitely, man. Let's get together and talk, and let's do this." I was like, "I've never sponsored anybody before," and I remember turning to Randy after that, and I was like, "He just asked me to be a sponsor." He's like, "All right, man, it's about You're time." Excited about it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "All right, so, you know, it's a, you know, better time than none. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, I got to do it eventually, and I'm, I, I would never deny anybody, you know." Mm. Um, so you know, we we just started talking, you know, and the, and our first meeting, we didn't read the book, we just sat together and we talked. We sat in this room at his Joshua house and we sat across from each other and we just got to know each other. We talked and one of the crazy things about meeting Jason and him being my only sponsee that I had, hadn't done it before and, and he came up and he came up to me. I didn't go up to him. We found out is um, so I got these close friends uh, of mine here in here in Kingsland. I work with this guy and uh, I got close with him and his wife over the past few years. We've gotten really close and um, they, they were t- two of the people that I called when I was going to rehab. You know, they were, they were there for me. I went, she was one of the last people I saw before I went to rehab. Is my buddy and his wife. And uh, so we're talking, and we find out that where they're from is the same area that Jason's from. And this is all the way in West Texas. And her name is Judy. And uh, Judy used to date Jason's dad when Jason was 13 years old. Yeah, well, I've got it for quite a few years. And that but. was, yeah, and Jason, you're 37 now? Yeah. So that was a long time ago. Yeah, um, 14 years ago? Or yeah, 14, right 14 years ago. So 14 years ago, we find out that the guy that came up to me to ask me to be a sponsor was kind of, like, related to this Judy lady that I'm very close friends with. Mm-hmm. And we all don't know, like, he doesn't know that she's here in town, or he does, but, they, like, none of us know about it. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of all happened. It was all, like, kind of pieced together like that. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so you're from West Texas. So is she. You guys come out here. You're out here 14 years later not knowing it. You're out here by mistake by drugs and whatever yeah. else
1: yeah i ended up running recovery. down my street she, yeah, yeah. Hey, i'm she, from west I texas in recovery house here yeah you know,
2: she and, and and i'm from 2,000 miles away i ended up here because of my brother you know and then i find myself in recovery you yeah know, and we're all later. now recovery
0: has brought us and to the exact sitting, same table we're sitting yeah, here at the ta-
2: same table and, and then we find out that jason is like i knew judy when i was a kid that was my dad dated her she was like my stepmom yeah and i'm like holy shit like she was one of my closest friends you know mm-hmm. it's just a trip how we all kind of Came together here. It yeah. managed how a recovery, how a recovery brings man. you together. Yeah, it's yeah. a small world too, man. Yeah, well, my, my dad,
1: my dad actually passed away when I was um, seventeen from a heroin overdose. And uh, once I got out, you know, I went over there and talked to Judy, and uh, she actually still has boxes of my dad's clothes, like she's hanging on to this whole time, you know, to give to me. You know yeah. pictures of us all hanging out there in Snyder, Texas, hanging out with her and her kids and my dad and. You know, brought back a lot of memories, you know? Yeah. And then, next you know, here comes Pete. And then Pete knows her. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It's, it's a truth. It's man. kind of it's mind-blowing. Small you know? It is lot, mind-blowing. Lot to, the
2: odds it, that you came up it's to it's me. It's
1: a lot to kind of accept that it ain't just a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. You know? Like all right,
2: I, just, yeah, how you went up to the guy. and You came up to me out of nowhere. Like, you, like you had all these people to choose to talk to to be your sponsor. Yeah. And you came up to me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of trippy. How so while is. I
1: mean I didn't have a sponsor, but <laughs> I was just kind of listening to everybody talk, you know. And you know, I've never had a sponsor, so it's kind of intimidating to me to right. ask somebody to be my sponsor because I've never been through the steps, you know. And I just liked what Pete said and how he carried himself about it. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna ask that guy right there yeah yeah so you you've never had a sponsor or worked your steps before never see my, i've never had a sponsor
0: work my steps before and i got a sponsor and worked my steps and now this is the longest i've been sober absent, and it's mm-hmm. it's because i got a sponsor and work the steps mm-hmm. i feel like it's the only thing that i've done different than i've done before right. dude before you could have put me on a lie detector test and i would have told you i'm done I want to be sober and I would have passed that lie detector test and then relapsed two days later. Yep. Yeah. I honestly meant that I was done but I didn't work the steps. I didn't do what was suggested of me. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: If you don't don't do, if you don't do the work, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. If you don't do the steps, get a sponsor, do the right thing, go to meetings, you know, get involved in recovery, it's just, it's just not going to work. You have, that's why they say faith you gotta, without works is dead. Yeah, yeah faith yeah. without works is dead. you got, you got to work it for it to work for you.
0: Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, and it, that's what we say at the end of every meeting. It works if you work it. it you know, it you have you to be it. willing to do what it takes. You have to be willing to step outside yourself. You have to be willing to do what a sober person did or does. You have to be willing to do what successful people do to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going to go to Jason here for a second You've been to prison a couple of times. You've probably relapsed far more than you recovered. Obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah, me too. You know what yeah, I mean? There's no judgment. Far. Me too. Um, what is different this time? And, and the reason I'm asking that is because I've been asked that question. I'm sure he's been asked that question. A lot of us have. And there's people at home listening to this that are gonna are questioning themselves. Like, what's the? When, when did you know that enough was enough?
1: Man, actually, when finally when I went to jail, I, I literally. I was probably up for almost two weeks, and I slept for a solid week. No eating, no nothing. And once I got back to my senses, and you know, and I was facing more time, and I just started. I started thinking about my whole life, what I've missed out on. My my newest baby, I missed out most of her life already. And you know, big part of it was my kids. I finally realized like they don't deserve it. That's very selfish of me to just be considering on what I want to do, how I want to feel and not giving a damn about them. My family, like I got to the point where my mom walked in one time and I had a needle in my arm, like registered about to go do what I'm doing. And she started crying and shut the door and I didn't stop what I was doing. I continued to do what I was doing, you know, and my mom's not getting no younger, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't want nobody's memories of me. Being a drug addict, you know, and I just got tired of it. I just really did. Like, man, that life sucks. (laughs) It sucks. It It really does. I I feel like it comes to. Since I've been out this time, and I've been I've been clean since I went to jail January thirty first. So my sober date was February first, two thousand twenty, and I've been sober ever since. But since then, I've I'm back talking to my kids. I've been down there to see my little girl in West Texas. And just hearing her call me daddy, and hearing her call me the other day, and seeing me happy birthday, tell me she loves me, man, that's the greatest feeling in the world because 'cause I've never had that, you Absolutely. know. And uh, my dad was a drug addict, and me growing up the whole whole time, I, was, I said I never wanted to end up and be like him, you know. And before you know it, I was exactly like him. I was a mere reflection of him, yeah. you know, in and out of prison, doing drugs, and I just had to stop that revolving door. I, I had to get out my. You cover break tone, that pattern. And get out my pride and really seek some help because I can't do it by myself.
0: Uh, you, we can't do it by ourselves. And I feel like that once you have to stay sober long enough to experience the good things that come with sobriety in order to make you want to stay sober. Like your, the restoration of you and your daughter and her mm-hmm. calling you daddy and, and now your mom being proud of you yeah. and you being proud of yourself. That took time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It took more than a week of recovery or two weeks. It took nearly a year of recovery, yeah. and a lot of isolation time in jail, sober. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that that's the thing. I'm dealing with CPS, and this is my second CPS case. Um, you have to utilize them. You know what I mean? You were a, a strong individual. I, I did it, too. I'm like you. I walked into the courthouse and said, I need help. My wife called CPS, mm-hmm. and uh, they sent us to help. We just, like you, mm-hmm. enough is enough, but I've experienced sobriety. Now I feel like that we've experienced sobriety to the to this point, and we've done it so much, so often, we can't blame it on the insanity thought process anymore. Mm. I can't tell you, and be honest about it, that I can go back and drink and do drugs and it's gonna be different this time.
1: (laughs) It'll be worse. I I
0: can't tell you that, you know what I mean? And if I try to convince myself, oh, it's gonna be different this time, I'm I'm lying to myself, I'm lying to you, and I'm reserving that. Like reservations. I'm making reservations, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So do you feel like you stepping out of your zone uh, your pride and your arrogance, and getting a sponsor and working the twelve steps, is what's going to keep you sober.
1: Most definitely, most definitely. I mean, cause I I don't I don't know how else to do it. You know, I've never done it before, and man, it's working. It's working. I, I mean, I'm I'm happier than I ever been. Honestly, you
0: yeah.
1: know, I don't have to worry about going to jail. I don't have to worry about no warrants. I don't have to worry about overdosing. I, I mean people coming to these houses, you know, getting new people, like I want to help them. You know, and now I find myself trying to show them the ropes, tell them where I've been, and hopefully they'll just see a reflection and it'll rub off on them. You know, that's, I think that's the biggest prize of it. You know, just helping another person. Absolutely. It, it is
0: the biggest prize. And that's one of the things that keep you sober, I feel like, because you're held accountable. But for me, when I started helping other people and I started utilizing, utilizing my past and learning from my experiences, it helps me drop a lot of shame and guilt. And disappointment that I had, and I was carrying on myself,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because now I don't hold on to that guilt and that shame anymore. Because now I'm using, i what was once my struggle and once my pain is now my strength.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? And, and was talking about how we all ended back up at this table together. I came from West Texas and moved down here. Ended up going to treatment in San Angelo, Texas. I had no intention of coming back to Kingsland, dude. Mm-hmm. So I went to treatment there. I was there for 40 days. And they also, the treatment that I was in, offered sober living, that I was accepted into, right? Of all the rehabs there, there was one other guy from Kingston, Texas, and his name was Dakota. And uh, I was praying. I prayed to God, and my wife had went to treatment in Austin, and addiction had tore us apart, bro. Mm-hmm. We were done. I was, I was at the point where that marriage was over. She went to Austin. I was in San Angelo. We were finally separating. I prayed, you know, Lord, your will be done. If you desire, if, if your desire is for Taylor and I to be back together, you make a way. Well, I run into this guy, Dakota, and he just happened to be from Kingston, Texas. He happened to tell me about a sober living in Joshua, called Joshua House here in Kingston. And he told me where it was at, so I knew I had the idea where it was at. But even crazier is he told me that his uncle lived in Kingston, and his name was Jody Proctor. And uh, I didn't know either one of these
2: guys.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I knew some of the guys that Dakota had run around because I was doing dope with them. Well, I was like, really? So there's a sober living in in Kingston? He was like, yeah. And and my uncle, is Jerry Parker, and he told me kind of his story. He'd been sober for a lot of years and yada, yada, yada. Dude, it wasn't the next day I get a call from my caseworker talking about, all right, you're coming back to Kingston after you get out of there because the judge... Court ordered you to go to his Joshua house. Well, wow. and your wife is being court ordered to go to uh, Open Door. Well, we didn't know that Open Door and his Joshua house were affiliated. Robert and Paula were husband and wife, and they actually come and picked us up and brought us here. So that's how I ended up back here. And then, long and then to add on to that, Jody ended up becoming my sponsor. The same guy he was talking about. Yeah, same guy. The same guy. Yep that I met in San Angelo. I ended up, I was gonna stay in San Angelo, I was gonna stay in West Texas, I wasn't coming back to Mm Kingston. And no, me and Taylor ended back up in Kingston through a married couple, a husband and wife that made it through, that went through addiction and made it and started open door in his Joshua house and we ended up coming back through the program And graduated and been doing great ever since. We still smell like smoke. We drug each other through the fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You you know what Mm -hmm. addiction does. It's been a horrible deal. But for us all to end back up, that's just crazy how, uh, what recovering sobriety does to you. And then I met a guy in AA who hooked me up with my boss, Mm -hmm. who now I'm working for, who knew a guy who owned a car dealership, who I got my vehicles (laughs) from. (laughs) You never know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy how it, uh. Blessing
1: upon blessings. Yeah. You know, it really is. Really
0: so hard. uh I don't know, do you have any
2: more that you yeah. want to touch base on? Yeah, I mean uh you know, like guess, like I said earlier, it it's um it's a blessing, man, it really is. And, and you know, like you were saying earlier, I I I could never imagine myself going back to the way I was. Going back to that to that state to where I, what I was putting myself through, because a lot of people you know they get court, you know they got the, the getting arrested, going to jail, CPS, you know whatever, divorce, drive them to sobriety and recovery. Mine was my own self destruction. I mean I was killing myself slowly, over the years, like yeah. killing myself, and I knew it, and that's what drove me to where I you know to how I got here and. You know i really i have to thank god man i really do because i don't know how a guy like me can quit drinking <laughs> you know what i mean like how the hell did a guy like me quit drinking at all you know what yeah. i mean and i'm like it, you i you would know. go into
0: self-destruct mode it, well, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: and i i knew it man i knew it like i knew i was just killing myself i really did i mean i was feeling liver pains every day and my pancreas was aching all the time like yeah. I was, ain't I was, shit I was, normal yeah it was <laughs> oh my god none, none of that was normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hadn't yeah um but yeah, man. I, you know, I went to I went to recovery for thirty days, and I and I and I came back to Kingsland, man. And I just got got heavily involved in AA. And that's the other thing is I I got heavily involved in AA. You know, I did. You know, I, I just started hitting the meetings, started taking on responsibilities. Oh, you want me to unlock the doors and be a key holder? Sure, no problem. You know, I I just stuck with it, and that's what keeps me involved. But going back to that whole, you know, what what's different this time is that. I never want to go back to where I was. You know, I try, I tested that theory so many times over the years of getting sober for a week or three months or a couple of days and then going back out and then drinking again and, get, and getting back into it. I've tested that theory for so many times, and I think the reason why I've been successful at my first time in, in recovery is because I waited for so long. And I think that if I had tried this in my 20s, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have lasted. Yeah. I would have relapsed back then. I know I would have. Um i had to get I had to get to that rock bottom I had to get to that rock bottom and this lady in this re, in the rehab that I was in she said something amazing and i 'll never forget it. She said sometimes a rock bottom makes a great foundation for something new oh, I like that yeah. yeah, she told me that man, and it's stuck with me ever since. sometimes a rock bottom will make a great foundation for something new to build something new and 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 i I wrote with that man and i and another thing is, is that i don 't think i wouldn 't all right I know that I would never give up this life for anything in the world mm-hmm. this new life you know because honestly you know how they say that saying where like a, a, a good day or a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work yeah yeah yeah, oh, well, yeah honestly a bad day in recovery where I am now is way better than a good day from when I was drinking oh yeah, yeah. It's, and that's the way it is and that's the way it is like I just I'm more happy I, you know I'm the happiest I've been in my entire adult life absolutely you know, from the age of 15, 16 till 35 you know what I mean? It was just a drunken, a drunken mess that whole time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, everything I just got is just worse. So much prettier, yeah. and uh, better, and I mean, easier to handle. Yeah. You know, the, and it's it's you know I, I did get sober at 35, and and here I am. I'll be 38 uh, next month, and um, yeah, it's like I had to relearn how to be an adult. You know, I had to like you know I'm like I'm like learning things all over again. It's like I'm, you know, because I was just stuck in that alcoholism for all yeah. those years. I never grew up. My mind never grew up. And that's the thing. We've limited ourselves. It's, I feel like we've limited
0: ourselves to a, to, to a lifestyle that we feel like we're, we're not worth becoming anything better. We don't know how to become anything better. But the moment that we take that step, that first step, mm-hmm. and identify that we do have a problem, and it's not everybody else, that it's us, yeah. then we step into a different, a different uh, line of maturity. And once we step into that different line of maturity, we actually begin to grow in different areas. Yeah. You know what I mean? That—that's what it took for me is to to recognize that I can't blame Pete, I can't blame my mom or my stepdad or my ex-wife or my wife for anything yeah. that I've done. You know what I mean? And I, I had coping skill problems. So anytime somebody upset me, I knew what I—I did what I knew would work. I had faith that if I drank beer, I would get drunk, bro,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I did. I had yeah. faith. I had faith that if I smoked dope, I was going to get high, that those feelings that I didn't want to feel were going to go away temporarily. But here's the deal. I, I began to thaw out eventually. Oh yeah. And then I had to deal with those feelings. But he, here's the difference from today. The feelings that I was running from, I realized aren't so bad. Now I'm actually dealing with them mm-hmm. and they're easy to deal with. And once they're dealt with, they're done.
1: Yeah.
0: They're not stacking up on each other. And stacking up and stacking up and giving me reasons to drink. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm actually dealing with the issues that I used to drink over. And I realize that they're not worth drinking over.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the, that's the other thing, too, is that is that even after over two and a half years of sobriety, I mean, it's never going to be a cakewalk. It's always going to be work, constantly. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned that this past weekend, man. I had a bad weekend last weekend, man. I was in a dark place in my mind. And I, I had to, re, I had to remind myself. Plus, I had to have a couple of my friends in recovery remind me too that, you know, hey man, it's, it takes work. It takes work to to keep that happiness. You know, because sometimes we have bad days. Some days we, you know, we feel the blues. We feel down. We are in a, you know, in a dark spot. Um, and that's it's, okay. It's and it's okay. And, and you know what? It's definitely not as dark of a spot as I was when I was drinking. You know, Absolutely I always not. remember that shit. And. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it takes work. And, and it's not And that support group. Yeah. And that support group. Oh, my God. That That's a big deal. You know? Having the program, having a higher power, having friends and fellowship to lean on that is huge. Yeah. Because you cannot do this by yourself. No. Yeah. You know, you can't. You can't. You have to give in your, yourself to a higher power. You have to give yourself into, the, you know, recovery, The group. The group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if I didn't have my friends in recovery, if I didn't have my higher power, if I didn't have AA. You'd you know, stay stuck I, in the mud. you would be stuck in the mud, yeah. man. Stuck yeah. in the mud. You get and, stuck in the mud, you have to have somebody pull you out. Yeah. You got to have people to lean on, you know. I mean, I got friends, you know, you know, outside of the program that I lean on. I got my family. But this program, man, it saved my life, and I, I will always be indebted to that. And I know that. Yeah. I know that you know and 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 I love it I really do love it I and, love. and recovery. it's easier
0: for for me it's easier to call y'all when I'm going through an issue because I've been there
2: uh-huh. you have
0: the right words to say I don't have to worry about you judging me
2: exactly yeah.
0: if I'm if I'm having a dark period or my mind's going to a spot that I know is wrong right because I'm wise enough now I'm old enough and wise enough I've gone down this street enough I can see the signs coming I know how to get from here to my house on 101 Iron Way because I can, I, I've learned how to get there. Yeah. Whenever I start getting, feeling these temptations coming on or my mind start going south, I can make a phone call to one of you guys and you're not going to judge me.
1: No.
0: Matter of fact, you're going to encourage me. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, that's where it's all at. Because yeah. if I'm hanging around the wrong people and I call the dealer <laughs> or I call somebody that doesn't care about me and my <coughs> recovery and my family, they're going to be like,
2: dude, what's you going to hurt? Come over and we'll drink a few beers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds so innocent. And you know what? I'm so lucky that I don't have that and I didn't really have that that I, um, you know, because a lot of people that have friends that they have to get away from in recovery, they have friends that they have to delete from their lives. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that. Because I was the only one that was a mess. Right. And all my friends and family, I was the only one that was a fucking wreck. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, like, my, my friends and family, everything stayed the same for me. They just were more, you know, they were supportive of me. Right. And I was, I lucked out with the support I had. That's awesome. You know, between my guys I'm friends with at work, you know, which most of those guys have become, like, my best friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To my family, to, you know, everybody. To my old friends from back in the day, they're all just supportive of what I'm doing. And a lot of them were like, it's about time, dude. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of mentality, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, "Jeez, bro, it's about time to hang that hat up, you know. And others were just like, holy shit, I didn't realize how bad it was. You know, I got a lot of that. But having a good support group is amazing. And, and I really lucked out because I, don't have, I didn't have that problem where I had friends that were pressuring me or putting negative – vibes not. on me like that i i really lucked out and 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 it's a blessing it know? is a blessing and, and, not, and that just that.
0: goes to show you that addiction we've all come from three different sides of the world three different groups three different you know Oops. circles <laughs> worlds yeah and yet addiction found us all yeah yeah you see what i'm saying that yeah. it don't matter your race it don't matter your religion it don't matter your ethnicity it don't matter your sexual preference
2: oh man it don't yeah. matter
0: how rich or poor you are yeah. yeah it don't matter if you're from west texas oil fields or from Where'd you say you were from? Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut or (laughs) or Kingston, Texas.
2: Addiction will take you down. And and I learned that. I remember learning that in recovery, man. Like I was in this rehab, and I'd never been to rehab before. This rehab I was in, there's people from all over the place. There was guys there from Alaska, California, Florida, New York. I mean, all walks of life. uh, From big cities, little farm towns. I mean, all over the place. You know, men, women, gay, straight. To show you ain't the only one. And and, and it was amazing to me that how much I... Identified with these people, who were complete strangers to me, who I probably wouldn't wouldn't you know, be a part of their lives outside of recovery, and then we get to talking, and, and they say they'll tell me some stories, and I'll tell them some stories. I'm like, holy shit, man, me too. That was the same way I did the same thing. Yeah, you know, you just you, you, you it's have like, it's like relation. a relation, and it's a parallel. It's such a parallel life that yeah. we we live. The Big book relates
0: it to a ship. Remember, like yeah. what what'd they say. Uh, a shipwreck, yeah, and everybody on
2: that shipwreck—the survivors—they all have that common, they... yeah, that common, yeah, they have that common battle that they've been through, and, yeah. and it is a lot easier sometimes to talk to somebody that's been through in recovery. You know, it, because it, it, you can get, you can open you can up, get the truth, you can feel from comfortable, them. you can, yeah, you can feel comfortable. They're not going to steer you wrong. Um, the, sometimes they'll tell sometimes they'll be brutally honest with you sometimes they're going to tell you something that you really don't want to hear but you yeah. need to hear but you need
0: to hear but that's the deal they're going to tell you what they did yeah. to kept them sober exactly. and that's going to give you an opportunity to get sober because it worked for them yeah mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. for you you went to jail
2: yeah
0: i i went to jail i had to go through cps you had to go to treatment you had to go to detox if you want to get sobriety if you truly want to get sobriety that's what you got to be willing to do dude yeah.
1: Yeah. I could easily just got out of jail or went to prison, made pro, got back on the streets, same thing I did two times before that, and fell. Dude, you know? you're guaranteed failure if you give up. Oh, I already know. Guaranteed. I already know. Yeah. You gotta continue to do the work. You gotta. Yeah. And I just I I know I can never forget my past or my fears because that's what's pushing me each and every day mm-hmm. to continue to stay sober.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then another thing is we've all found that we had to get honest with ourselves. And that's the biggest thing in my eyes. I it mean, is. I had when I got honest with myself, that's when my that's when the doors started opening for me. You know what I mean? Cuz I had to get honest with myself and then get honest with other people. Um, but I had to, you know, cuz I always would say, "Oh yeah, I'm an alcoholic." You know, I always admitted it. I'd been saying that since I was a, you know, a young guy. Um, but I had to realize I'm a real alcoholic. <laughs> know, then I, then I, I had to, I had to uh, get honest with myself.
0: When I, I got honest with myself, but it took me a while to believe that I was a true alcoholic and drug addict because I really felt like I was strong enough to uh, yeah. to be a functioning part of society. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that to the point that I really believed that it was going to be different this time. Yeah. I really believed that I was going to be able to uh, to drink and only drink. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Drinking for me doesn't only... Drink and I'm like you. When I drink, bro, I drink, and I'm not. I don't drink for the for the taste. Mm-hmm. I'll go from expensive beer to Fort Loco to Steel Reserve to Fireball to vodka. Yeah.
1: You know what I
0: mean? And I and I'll go just however. And then before you know it, I'm smoking methamphetamine, mm-hmm. and I'm and at that point, my life is done. You know what I mean? I'm not even thinking rationally or or on any kind of spiritual plane. It's just there. I'm just in a horrible state, and um, I had to get honest with myself. I, just like you said, Pete, getting honest with yourself is a
2: big deal, but I had to learn that I was an alcoholic and drug addict for sure. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you tell yourself all those years, too. Another thing is, like like I said I'm earlier on, a procrastinator. I remember all those years, man, I would always think to myself, like, all right, I'm going to quit this time next year. Or I'm going to quit at this point or I'm going to quit at that point. And I would tell myself that for years, man. And I New would, Year's I would resolution. Set, I would New Year's <laughs> resolution. <laughs> yeah. I would set dates and shit. I would have calendars. As soon mean, as this bag is out, yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be go- I'd be Googling like AA meetings, you know. Um. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's just a, uh, it's a trip, man. I mean, it's. I had to push myself to to no limit though. I ha- I had to make myself sick. I had yeah. to make myself so sick that I had to get help. Because if yeah. I, you know, if I didn't push myself to that and, and almost to the near end, I mean, I'm lucky I survived. Yeah. You know. And now you I,
0: wouldn't have a few to continue on oh, that no. way.
2: I've seen several people yeah. that didn't. Yeah. Yeah. The, know, that, that's what that, there, that's what that lady doctor told me. She says, if you continue at this rate, she says, if you're drinking at that rate, you're going to be dead before you're 40 or by the time you're 40. Yeah. She says, if you continue this and it's going to be a slow, painful death and you're not going to like it. And it's horrible. I and, watched. And that, freaked, that hit me to heart, man. That, that, you know, I felt that. That was real. When she said that, because she looked me dead in the eyes and told me that, and I was, of course, I probably started crying again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we got about four minutes left to this podcast
0: before it's maxed out, but we can all agree, and it's safe to say that whatever it took to get us to this table right now, doing this podcast was one hundred percent worth it. And dude, and I've said this before in my podcast, you have to recreate a life that makes you makes it worth not wanting to go back. Exactly. To, to relapse. Exactly. I mean, do y'all agree? Oh, yeah. I agree. Admitting that you're reason. an alcoholic and drug addict. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Admitting that your life is unmanageable, that you can't do this alone. Exactly. And that we have to follow the steps
2: of and, recovery. And it's simple. They're simple steps. It's a simple way of life if you make it simple. Like, oh, dude, I, I've had know? to do a lot of hard work to get high. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Or to get drunk. Yeah. yeah. I had to hustle, lie, cheat, didn't have a phone, didn't have a car, didn't have a... A home to live
2: and didn't have money, didn't have a job, but wow. I found a way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you actually do the work and step up and do the work, it's not hard if you actually do the work. Yeah. That's all it takes. And you gotta get honest. And with each yourself. step
0: gets easier and easier and easier to the point where you actually gain so much momentum, you get so far into your recovery that now you can't go back. You don't want to go back. No. You can go back, but no, you no, don't want no, to go, no go want back. To, no. I have you know no mean? desire. No desire.
2: None. Quote, no no desires, desires at all. Yeah. No,
0: I have no desires now. I do. Recognize and I have identified the fact that I'm an addict and alcoholic and I can't push those limits. You know what I mean? I know that I'm one decision away from relapsing. Oh
1: yeah, I'm one
0: decision away from relapsing, bro. Yeah. But at the same, I'm one decision away from being sober again one more day. And that's all we got to do is focus at one day well, at a time. All we, day, we, day, we all know we all have day to use time. or
1: drink if we don't want to ever yeah. again.
0: We don't have to. We don't have to. I can call you. I can call you. Y'all come pick me up. Hey, dude,
2: I, I'm having an urge. I'll be there in a minute. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? That's why we have fellowship. That's why we have friends inside the program, mm-hmm. you know, because so we can lean on each other like that. It
1: may know? seem like it is a dark road, whatever you're going down out there, but just remember, if you seek recovery, there is light at the end of that tunnel. into yep. that road, there is a way better light. Yeah,
0: if you'll humble yourself and you'll seek help and you'll, you'll utilize, if you're on probation, parole, or going through CPS, don't be scared of them. Tell them that you have a problem. Utilize them. Let them, use their reach. Let them get you into a sober living. Let them get you into an inpatient or outpatient rehab. Go to a freaking meeting. <laughs> Find oh, a thanks. sober person to call. Yeah. Hit me up on teddy4469 at gmail.com. Look up his Joshua house. Ask for Peter Jason.
1: We're we'll here. help you out. We're here. Touch base with us. Gentlemen. That was it's good. Man, That's an hour great. long. It's been yes, great, sir. It's been Thank great. You very much.
0: Y'all have a blessed night. We will. Uh, I'm fixing to publish this shortly.